Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Good morning. Thank you for joining me in my living room. So I don't know about you, but when I think of how this pandemic hit, it hit out of the blue. One week we're doing Sunday service as normal, and the next week we're sequestered in our homes. At first, I thought it would maybe last a few weeks, and then it started to hit me. When are we going to be able to meet again as a church? How long are we going to do live stream from my living room? Then I started to think, even when this is over, where are we going to meet as a church? So a little doubt started to creep into my mind, and that little seed of doubt began to bring me to a place of fear and confusion. And I began doubting if I was even the right leader for such a time as this. And I even began doubting God's sovereignty, to be honest with you. And then I said to myself, self, snap out of it. I thought to myself, I think back to the scene in the movie Airplane, when they're freaking out and they're all in the line and they're saying to each other, don't worry, I'll take care of it. That's what I wanted people to do to me. Snap out of it. Because here's the thing. Doubt affects your whole life, and namely, your faith and your hope diminishes. So that's why I'm starting this new series called The Hope to Cope in Times of Trouble, because that's where we are. Hebrews 11.1, if you read it with me, says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So if you realize and see there, faith and hope are aligned together. Hope is actually the fuel for your faith. In fact, I think we have a picture of what it might look like. So hope is the fuel that fuels your car. Faith is the car. And when your hope starts to run out and your car isn't fueled up, you start to run out of gas. And that's how I felt. But then God said, no, hope in me. Hoping that is an eternal thing. It's not just about what's going on now. In fact, let me tell you that biblical hope is a lot different than secular hope. When I was young and my parents would say, hey, maybe we'll go to Disneyland next week. I'd say, man, I hope we go to Disneyland. But that's just hoping in something that might not happen. Biblical hope is hoping in something that has happened, that Jesus rose from the dead, And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's sovereign over all things. Yes, things happen in this world that don't make sense because we live in a fallen world. One day that'll all be taken care of. But until then, it doesn't mean that God's not caring for us. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. And he wants us to learn about the things that are important. I uh, think of fueling up our car with hope. And I'm not going to mention who this was. But it was someone in my family one day decided to put diesel fuel in the car. We had to deal with that. The car broke down because that person was trying to put the wrong fuel in the car. And I'm telling you right now, if you don't hope in the word of God and you start to hope in what people are telling you on TV and all the models of the death and this and that, you will be putting the wrong fuel in your car. We need the word of God. 
And that's why I said, no matter what, I don't care if I have to preach to myself. Because when I'm doing this, I am preaching to myself. I'm going to keep preaching the word because it's the word of God that gives us hope. Doubt robs your hope and drains your faith. And one of the most famous doubters is Thomas. And there's three reasons that I see in this passage that might have led to Thomas's doubt. We're going to look at those and you can follow along if you have the app. Let's look at them. First of all, Thomas doubted because he did not attend. He wasn't there. Imagine, last week was Easter, right? But he missed Easter. He missed the first Easter. He had to wait a whole week for Jesus to show himself as risen. That's why in John 20, 24, it says, But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Now, why was Thomas absent? Well, we really don't know. But let's look at Thomas for a minute, because he has an interesting name and personality. Thomas has two names, Thomas and Didymus. They both mean twin. So then the question is, who was he a twin to? We don't know. Some traditions say his name was Judas. So there would have been three Judases in the disciples, but we don't know for sure. The Acts of Thomas, which is a gospel that's not included in the Bible because there was a lot of weird things in there. One of them said that Thomas was Jesus's twin. That's probably not true. But Thomas' personality was interesting, very complex. He had a difficult time understanding Jesus' statements. When Jesus said he was going to Lazarus, who had died, Thomas says this in John 11. He says, Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us go that we may die with him. So he was thinking in his mind that Jesus was going to go and raise Lazarus, and he wanted to die as Lazarus did. That's interesting to me, because Thomas is known as a doubter, but here he is saying has incredible courage and faith to go die for Jesus. Although he misunderstood Jesus' statement, his word was prophetic. Let us die with him, because that's exactly what happens to us when we come to Christ in faith. But Thomas was also famously asked this famous question. So the disciples are sitting around Jesus. Jesus is talking about where he's going to prepare a place for them. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Talk about teeing it up for Jesus. He's saying, Lord Jesus, I don't know the way. So then one of the most famous statements in the Bible is answered to Thomas' question. Jesus answered, read it with me. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here's what I think about Thomas. It seems to me that he was a deep thinker, very introspective. He probably wondered a lot about the meaning of life. He probably was very philosophical, and philosophers spend a lot of time thinking. So maybe Thomas's problem, he thought too much. He missed what was right in front of him. And I think overthinkers miss what's right in front of us. I'm one of those. I philosophize all the time. That even starts to rob my hope because I start to believe my thoughts rather than believe what God says. The point here is that Thomas was not with the other disciples when Jesus revealed himself as risen on that first Easter. Now, we don't know why, but if you have your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 20. 
says, so when it was evening on that day, I'm starting in verse 19, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, so that's important, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also sent you. And then verse 22, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. There's a lot packed in there. First, all the disciples were there except, apparently, obviously, for Thomas. Now, that's the very first Easter service, right? So imagine missing the first Easter service. Imagine missing any service. It makes me think about what I shared a couple of weeks ago. I found this, and it says, In a short while, and this is about what happened, what's happened recently, God has taken away everything we worship. God said, You want to worship athletes? I'll shut down the stadiums. You want to worship musicians? I'll shut down the civic centers. You want to worship actors? I'll shut down theaters. You want to worship money? I'll shut down the economy. You don't want to go to church and worship me? I'll make it where you can't go to church. And then it quotes from 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. If my people... The church needs to be in prayer. The church needs to be fasting and praying and seeking God for personal revival, but also for corporate revival. But it all starts with the personal. What is God saying to you through this time? What became more important than Jesus and the church gathering? I want to tell you, if you don't want to lose hope, don't social distance from Jesus. And don't social distance from the church. When we come out of this time, let's make a commitment that we're going to remember we're not going to be like Thomas. We're not going to miss a Sunday service because every time Jesus shows up, there's a fresh work of his Holy Spirit. There's a feeling of peace, like he says, peace be with you. And those things are important. That's what's most important. I received a text this week from one of our partners and the text said, thank you, pastor, for keeping us churched. Even in this time, we're gathering over social media and the internet. It's not the same, but let's not think that we're not getting anything out of it. I saw this meme this week. I had a Satan and a picture of Jesus. Satan says to Jesus, look what I did. I shut down all the churches. And Jesus says, look what I did. I started a church in every home. We can't get into our thoughts and think that God is not sovereign. I mean, I always dreamed that even though we have corporate gatherings, that every day and every week we would be meeting in our homes and worshiping together as a family. And that's what God is doing during this time. So let's not miss it. Let's not miss Easter and let's not miss the risen Christ. Let's make a commitment to stay focused on what's important so that we can fill our gas tank with hope. Secondly, Thomas doubted because he did not see. He didn't see the risen Christ. The other disciples tried to tell him, but he wanted to see himself. Now, the question is, 
Was Thomas's missing that first Easter service providential? Of course it was. Nothing happens outside of God's will. And so because Thomas wasn't there the first Easter, Jesus shows up the next week. We should thank God that Jesus shows up all the time. Imagine if, because Thomas missed, that he never got to see Christ. He never got to experience the risen Christ. That would be horrible. But here's what's important to understand. Thomas had to wait eight days to experience the risen Christ. Imagine how he felt. Imagine not knowing for sure that Jesus rose from the dead. Imagine not knowing, thinking that your friends were lying to you. Imagine wondering, what happened? Where's the body? That's not something that I want any of us to have to experience. That's why it's important to stay connected. In John 20, it says, So the other disciples were saying to him, and that verb literally means kept on telling him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. That's an important statement. So here's the question. Was Thomas a doubter or an unbeliever? There's a difference. As a believer, sometimes we doubt. It's a natural thing, but we snap out of it. You know, like, hey, snap out of it. But Thomas is saying here, if I don't see it for myself, I'm not going to believe. Doubt is saying, I can't believe right now. It's really hard for me to believe. Unbelief is saying, I won't believe. So Thomas apparently is an unbeliever, which is worse than a doubter. See, doubters are usually sincere in hoping that something is true. When I was growing up, I believed in God, but I doubted the Bible. And I doubted what the Bible said about God was true. And I doubted what the Bible said about me was true. And then one day, Jesus opened my eyes. And I saw the light. God showed me and revealed himself to me, just like Thomas. I wanted to believe. I just needed to see. I think Thomas may be that, but he says here, unless I actually see it, I won't believe. So at this point, he's not a believer. You know, I've shared the gospel with people, obviously in corporate settings, but I've shared the gospel with people one-on-one. And I can usually tell if someone's sincerely seeking the truth. And when I find a person like that, I'll spend every moment with them because they're sincere. They want to know if what the Bible says is true. I remember a man uh, recently who I met and he was angry with God, angry with the church, just basically angry about everything. And I invited him to church and his response was, I'm not going into the building is going to burn down. I go, listen, there's been many people like you, including myself, who walked in a church building and the building is still standing. So I encourage you to come. And he came and he came for a few weeks. He always asked questions, always to this day, he asked questions. He gave his life to Christ. He got saved. He got baptized and became a member of our church. He is someone who is sincerely seeking the truth. 
And it's times like this when things are not normal where we want to seek the truth. So maybe you're doubting. Doubting is okay. In fact, there's a whole story in the Bible about a man who doubted. You know, he said, I believe you, Lord, that you can raise my son, but help my unbelief. Help my doubt. So that's good. That's sincerely asking. But don't be the person who says, I won't believe. What hope do you get out of that? Interestingly, Thomas, he eventually comes to faith, right? We're going to find that in a minute, but that's the rest of the story. Legend has it that he went in 52 AD, he took a ship to India. And he spread the gospel through India. In fact, there's a place in India called the St. Thomas Mount, apparently where Thomas preached and multiple thousands of Indians came to Christ. And they attribute the Christian faith in India to Thomas. God can take a doubter and someone who sincerely wants the truth and he can change that life and he can change your life and you can be on a ship to serving God. And that is what's important. We need to keep focused on that. Now, what did Thomas see? Did he see a hologram of Jesus? Did he see like a shadow? Did he see an image? No, he saw the physically resurrected Jesus. That's why he says, unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So Thomas understood something. And this is important. When Jesus said to Martha, when Lazarus died, Lazarus was Martha's brother and a very close friend to Jesus. He said, Martha, don't you believe in the resurrection? And here's Martha's response. Oh, yeah, Jesus, that's going to happen sometime in the future, right? And Jesus says, no, Martha, I am the resurrection. Thomas might have been there. So the word was penetrating because he's saying, unless I see the resurrection, I'm not going to believe. See, here's the thing. God's word never comes back without fulfilling its purpose. And even this morning, you might be hearing and going, I want to believe. Well, Jesus says, I am the resurrection. Not the resurrection is going to happen sometimes in the future. Obviously, that's the case. But unless you believe in Jesus that he is the resurrection, you won't have hope. So Thomas is actually very theologically correct. He says, unless I see the risen Jesus, I'll not believe. And remember last week that I talked about Jesus is the head of the church. And where the head goes, the body follows. Remember that? Remember, Jesus rose physically. I will rise physically. Jesus was recognizable after being resurrected. We will be recognizable. Now, what was the difference then about Jesus' resurrected body? That's important to know. If Jesus is the first fruit of the harvest, the first one to rise as a man, and we follow him in that resurrection, shouldn't we be asking, like, what's my body going to be like if it's a new body? Because it's not the old body. It looked recognizable, but it was not the dead body. It was the live body. Let's look at that. John 20, 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, 
for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. So apparently Jesus's body was able to walk through locked doors and show up. That's cool. What else could he do with his new body? Well, he ate. Look, John 21, 12, Jesus said to them, hey, let's have breakfast together. That's cool too, because apparently you're not going to gain weight with your new body. That's awesome. I look forward to the day when I have that new resurrected body. And first of all, I can just show up places like, woo, you know, and then like eat and not gain weight and just like be physically fit, right? Shouldn't we be looking forward to that? And the new body is recognizable, right? He still had the mark in his wrists and his hands and the side and his feet. Why is that? Well, he wanted to show the disciples, it's me, Jesus. That's the Jesus we will see. I made a chart. It's called the four phases of Jesus Christ's career. We're talking about career, his work that he did on our behalf. But first of all, we have to understand the phase one, he's eternal. His name was the Word, Lagos. In the beginning was the Word. He was with God and he was God. He was the one who spoke creation into existence. So that's phase one. And then in phase two, he became incarnate. He became a mortal man. And he lived during the first century in Judea. And he lived for about 33 years. And then he went to the cross and he rose from the dead. And then he walked around for 40 days in his new resurrected body and people saw him. In fact, the Bible says over 500 people saw him walking around resurrected. That's phase three. Then phase four is he ascended and exalted and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's glorified. And if you want to think about what that looked like, think about how Peter saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration. He shined. Listen, all that happens to the believer. Our body We'll die, but we will get a new body when we rise. And we go to be with Jesus. He takes us to be with him, and then our body will rise with him. And it will be similar to the body of Jesus. And then third, Thomas doubted because he did not hear. So he didn't see, and he didn't hear the word. And it's important to hear the word. In fact, Paul writes, How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? That's why it's so important to preach the word, even in a pandemic, more in a pandemic. Keep preaching the word. People can only believe when they hear and see. That's why in John 20, 27, it said, Jesus said to Thomas, so There's words that are heard. Jesus spoke to Thomas, and then he says, reach here with your finger and see. So he's saying, see all the senses, my hands, reach here in your hand and put it in. So touch all the senses. And then Jesus said something very important. Do not be unbelieving, Thomas, but believe. So see, Thomas was an unbeliever. Imagine Thomas. He got to see the risen Christ in HD, like right in front of him. And all his senses were used, touch, smell, hearing. And Jesus said, Thomas, don't be an unbeliever. Be a believer. 
he didn't rebuke Thomas for doubting. He rebuked him for unbelieving. And here's the thing. If not for God opening our eyes to see and our ears to hear by his spirit, we would stay in unbelief. It's all an act of God's grace. The fact that Jesus showed up eight days later. I mean, if you're Jesus and you're like resurrected, I would go, can I just go be with my father in heaven? Why do I have to stay down here? He still had work to do. And one of those things was to show up a second time so that Thomas wouldn't be left out. Isn't that awesome? I think about how Jesus keeps showing up in my life. And every time I start to doubt, he shows up and he shows me that he's real and that he loves me and that he has a plan for me. And that's what he wants to do for you as well. So after speaking to Thomas, Jesus speaks about us in John 20, 29. He says, Jesus told Thomas, Thomas, because you saw me and believed, blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Who's Jesus talking about? Me, you, us. We have not seen the physical manifestation of the resurrected Christ, but we've seen him. Raise your hand if you've seen Jesus. I've seen him. He's alive. He's right here with me. His spirit is here amongst us. Listen, if Jesus didn't rise, he could not send the spirit. If he did not ascend, the Spirit would not come. So Jesus is saying, man, Thomas, you're awesome, dude. You like saw me and I came back to you and I love you a lot. That's why you're awesome. But Thomas, millions and billions of people from this point on are going to believe in me. And they haven't seen me like you have, Thomas. But they see me. I see the risen Lord. Like that song, I see the Lord seated on the throne, exalted. Do you see the Lord like that? See him like that. I heard someone say, see the Lord, see Jesus looking at you. Some of you are scared, like, oh, God, I don't want Jesus looking at me. <laughs> I don't want to see what, I, what I'm doing in the, in the dark. No. One of the saddest things I ever heard was a friend who was a chaplain at a major Christian university. And he told me that he would counsel students who were going through depression and things like this. And he would ask them, if Jesus were in this room, what would he be? Would he be smiling or frowning at you? He said more than 80% of them said frowning. That's hopeless. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is not frowning at you. When Jesus took those nails, He said, I love you this much. And he shows up. He opens your eyes. He opens your ears. He opens your heart to faith in him. And he does that. And then he frowns at you. He's smiling at you. He loves you. Now, he doesn't love a lot of what we do. But he's not like that image of God that you might have that You know, he's a killjoy and he just wants to like ruin your life and ruin your fun. He wants you to live forever. He wants you to experience hope of the eternal life, that life that you get by faith in Christ and believing in him and receiving his Holy Spirit and coming to life. 
That's the good news. And then last, Thomas believed in the risen Christ. Today, I want you to believe in the risen Christ. Not the Christ on the cross, because that's important. Not even the Christ that lived 30 plus years historically. You know, there's a lot of people who believe in the historic Jesus, but they don't believe in the risen Jesus. I want you to believe in the risen Jesus, the glorified Jesus. And if Jesus is risen and glorified and he's seated at the right hand of God in all authority, don't you think that he's in control of all things? And then one day, he'll come back to take us to be with him. I'm going to talk more about that next week when I talk about hope to cope in the midst of confusion. I just want to tell you this about hope. About 15 years ago, I became addicted to some prescription medication, and I ended up in rehab. What it did for me, it made me realize that although I knew here, God had to bring it down here. And I remember being in rehab, and there were two other girls in there, and we became friends. We were talking. And when you're in rehab, you're just like out, trying to make it through, man. And these two girls came to me when they were checking out of rehab, and they said, hey, thank you so much for your faith. You helped us through this. I thought, I don't think I did anything. But here's the thing. My faith never went away. What started to diminish was my hope. And hope, when that starts to diminish and your gas tank goes down, you start to lose perspective. You start to lose sight of the risen Christ. You start to get in your head and become an overanalyzer instead of seeing right in front of you. And also this, because maybe I speak to someone today. I'm a person who wants results. So I miss the journey and the process sometimes. I've been praying every day, Lord, help me not to miss the journey. We're going to look back at this time and we're going to go, wow, that was historic. Like we lived through a pandemic. But it's through this that God is revealing himself as risen and as the one in whom we place our hope. So Thomas answered and said to Jesus, my Lord and my God. And I'm telling you, thank you, Thomas, for speaking the truth. He didn't say, my Lord, my buddy, or my friend, which he's all of those. He said, my Lord and my God. Jesus is Lord and God. That's the Jesus we believe in. And it's the very reason John wrote this entire gospel of John, where he says in verse 31 of chapter 20, but these have been written so that you may what? Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. You have life. Not Physical life, that's going to go away. You have eternal life. I think about how do I apply this to myself? I go, you know what? I love Thomas. He's honest. But I don't want to be an unbelieving Thomas. I don't want to be a doubting Thomas. In other words, I don't want to be his twin. 
I want to be a man of faith. I want to be connected to Jesus, and I am by his spirit. But he's the one that opened my eyes. He's the one that opened my ears. He's the one that opened my heart to believe. Has that happened to you? Because I don't want you to miss Easter and miss second week after Easter and the third. I don't want you to miss that. I want you to believe in the risen Christ. That's how you have eternal life. So I'm going to lead a prayer in a minute about that. But let me speak to those who are believers, who are aligned to Thomas. You become his twin of doubting. Don't doubt. And if you ever doubt, say, Jesus, I'm doubting your word. Help me not doubt. Lord, help me believe that every word you say is true, and not just true for someone else, for me. Because I hear people say this, oh yeah, I believe that, but it's not here. It's here. How does it get here? By experiencing the risen Christ. So I'm going to pray. I want us to bow our heads. First, if you were an unbeliever and now you believe, praise God. God did that. And you can solidify it right now by saying, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I believe in you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you that you are seated at the right hand of God. Come into my life by your spirit and make me new. I believe. And then for those who have a propensity to believe but not believe for yourself or to doubt God's word of promise and hope, I pray for you. I pray for myself that we would, like Thomas, believe in the risen Christ, that there's nothing that's slipping through his hands. And if things aren't going the way that we want it to go right now, we need to say as Jesus said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Because I know that you're using it in my life to make me into the person you want me to be. To be like Thomas, who gave his life to Jesus Christ and got on a ship and preached the gospel to thousands of people. And then he was martyred by the same people where he led them to Christ. Because we're only here for a short moment. Lord, help us to die to ourselves, to be filled with your hope, to believe in your word. Because when our gas tank runs dry, Lord, there's people who are not hearing the word because we're like Thomas. We don't want to be like that. We want to be risen like Christ even now and tell people about him so that people will have the hope to cope so that they can make it through all times, not just this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be his voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com. Make me-